morning. Um, we've got two quick readings today. The first is from Matthew chapter 16, and we'll be reading from verse 13. So Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciple, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And our second reading is from the book of Luke. Chapter 22, from verse 54 to 62. So Luke 22, from 54. And this is shortly after they've arrested Jesus and Peter's following him from behind. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had hand-kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Let us pray. Father, we thank you because you have the words that give life. And Lord Jesus, I would ask here in your presence that you would move through your Holy Spirit, that your word will do what it does, that it will bring life, that it will prosper, that it will bear fruit, that it will bring healing and deliverance for everyone who hears your voice, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that it is your voice that we will hear this morning, not my voice, but yours, by the power of your Holy Spirit. So fill me, Lord Jesus, with your spirit and place your words in my mouth so that we can listen and we can be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Many of us are familiar with the story of Peter, especially this story we just read when he just denied Jesus. And I imagine how Peter felt at this point in his journey, just after the cock has crowed. See, before this night, everything seemed to make perfect sense to Peter. The world made perfect sense. Life made perfect sense. He knew who he was 
and he knew where he was going. Just a while before, Jesus had asked him the question, who do you say I am? And he had declared, you are the Messiah. And on their journey together, even when Jesus had said, oh, many would abandon me at this time, Peter said, Lord, even if everyone abandons you, I will stick with you. Because without you, there is no me. You and I, till the very end. He knew who he was. He knew who Jesus was and he was confident about life. And then that night happened and the cock crowed. And before Peter knows it, nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing makes sense about who he thought he was. Nothing makes sense about who he thought God was. Nothing makes sense about life anymore. And I wonder if you've ever been in that place where you begin to doubt everything you thought you knew. Everything you thought you knew about yourself, everything you thought you knew about God, everything you thought you knew about life and the world. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that place where you're surrounded by so many questions but so little answers. And that's where Peter finds himself. And usually in that moment in life, we usually reflect on the time when things were better. And Peter would have looked back on that day, that defining moment in his journey with Jesus, when Jesus asked the question, and then when he replies, I know who you are, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And it doesn't stop there because Jesus then goes on to say to Peter, Peter, it is the Spirit of God that has made you say this. And I will build my church and you are the rock that I will build it on. You know, it, it, in today's version of, of that story, it will probably be something like Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, you're the man. And Peter saying to Jesus, no, you're the man. And Jesus saying to Peter, no, you're, you're the man. No, you're the man. And then Peter says, yeah, I'm the man. You know, it would have probably been that kind of situation. And Peter is confident in who he is and in who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, Jesus is being dragged away to court. It looks like Jesus is going to die. This is not how the story was meant to go. And in Peter's life, suddenly he's disowned Jesus. This is not how my life was meant to go. And there are times in our lives when we look in the mirror and we look at ourselves and we think, this is not how I imagined life would be at this point. This is not how I saw things going. This is not how I saw the relationship would be. This is not how I saw the job would be. This is not how I saw the world would be at this point. What happened? And there's some time that we look at the world and we look in our lives and we wonder, did I get it wrong about who God is? Did I get it wrong about who God is? Because if God is with me, should things be like this? Because when Peter declares to Jesus and he says, I know who you are, you are the savior of the world. The disciples and the Israelites, they had a kind of idea about what a savior would look like because of what God had sent to them in the past. Because in the past when God sent them a savior, he sent people like Samson, 
the guy who could beat a whole army by himself. Or he sent people like Gideon who could defeat thousands of men with just 300. Or he sent people like David who could kill giants and overcome kingdoms. And the disciples thought, when the Messiah comes, when he brings his own kingdom, that's kind of how it would be. He would beat the bad guys. He would get rid of the Romans. He would get rid of the Pharisees. And he would set up his kingdom and we will be princes. And it all felt all nice. But all of a sudden, it doesn't make much sense to Peter. He's in this wilderness where he's left with doubts and questions. And the reality of life is that many times, at some point or the other, in the past, present, or future, we would find ourselves in that wilderness, for whatever reason, in a place where we have more questions than answers about life, about ourselves, and even about the God that we serve. And in that point in time, in that place of doubt and questions, it is very important what we come out of that phase believing. Because for so many people, over the course of time, they come out of that phase as a diluted version of themselves. They come out of that place with smaller dreams. They come out of that place with smaller aspirations. They come out of that place with smaller goals, with a, with a smaller identity, and with, and with a lesser idea of God. And it's so important in that place of questions and uncertainty and doubt, in that crossroad of life, what we come out believing. And so Peter, he finds himself there. And that critical question that Jesus asked all that time ago, I believe it would have come back to him as it comes back to us in those moments. Who do you say I am? In that place with the questions, with the doubts, who do you say I am? And I imagine Peter begins to reflect on his journey and how he got to this point. And he remembers the first time he meets with Jesus on a boat. He had spent the previous night trying to catch fish and failing. And then after Jesus gives a sermon the next day, Jesus says to him, he says, hey, why don't you go back and try and catch some fish? And Peter's like, you know what, Mr. Preacher Man, why don't you do your job and I do my job, right? We've been fishing all night. We're fishermen. We're fishing the night. We haven't caught any fish. And Jesus is like, no, 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 just go back there. And the sermon must have been good because Peter is like, okay, fine. Just because you gave a good sermon, it will go back out in the waters. And then they catch such a great bounty of fish that makes Peter realize that this guy, there's something different about him. There is something about, in God about this guy. And so he comes back to Jesus and he says to him, he says, hey, you don't want to be around a guy like me. I am no good. You know, one thing I love about the Bible is that God doesn't try and 
disguise the people that he called to do his work. It doesn't make them seem perfect and righteous and people who've got it all together. We do that, but God doesn't. See, Peter was the kind of guy at that point that while you were looking for a minister, if Peter came up and preached, it would have been that guy where everyone was like, nah, no, no chance, we don't want him. Peter was living a kind of life in a kind of way that he said, look, Jesus, you're a good guy, you don't want me. But in that moment, Jesus says to him, he says, pretty much paraphrasing, he says, no, it's you that I came looking for. In a moment when Peter doesn't believe in himself, in a moment where Peter doesn't have a high idea or estimation about himself, in a moment where Peter looks at his life and he thinks it's not much, Jesus sees him. From a crowd of fishermen, Jesus sees Peter and he says, you, you're the one I'm looking for. I believe in you. You know, we all celebrate the idea that Jesus loves us and he does, but Jesus doesn't just love us. He actually likes us as well. You know, sometimes you can love someone, but you're like, I love him, you know, but, you know, really, I, yeah, I'd rather not be around him. I love him, but, you know, but Jesus is like, I love you, and you know what? I like you. I want us to do this journey together, and I commit to you that if you will do this journey with me, we will do great things together. I will get you to that place you want to get to. I will help you become that person you want to be. I want to do that journey with you. I commit to you. I believe in you. And in that moment, Jesus changes the way that Peter sees himself. And doesn't Jesus do the same for each and every one of us? Both the first time that we met him, and at different points in our journey, when he says to us, I believe in you, when he says to us, I like you, when he says to us, I love you, when he says to us, I want to do this journey with you, when he commits to helping us become all that we hope to become. When he says to us, you know what? Even if a billion people around the world were screaming my name in worship and you were silent, I would notice. And in that moment, Jesus changes the way Peter sees himself. And I imagine as Peter reflects again on that question, who do you say I am? He's reminded about that. And he's also reminded that Jesus changed the way that he saw the world that he lived in. Because before Jesus, life would have been pretty much mundane for Peter. Monotonous. Wake up in the morning or go out at night, try and catch some fish, fail to catch some fish, and do the next thing the next day. Because every time we look at Peter in the Bible, every time we've shown Peter in the Bible trying to catch fish, he's not catching fish. Has anyone else noticed that? Every time we're looking at Peter in the Bible catching fish, he's not doing a good job. He's, he's like a below average fisherman. And, and, and life was very much 
mundane and monotonous for Jesus and for Peter. And some of us will know what that is, feels like. Some of us will begin to mourn the weekend at about 6 o'clock today and thinking, oh, Monday, Monday tomorrow, oh no. And the same old stuff, the same job, the same people, the same routine, the same nappies to change and people to ignore and trains to go on and arms to cough into, the same, the same stuff again. And, and it just feels so like mundane and Peter's life would have felt pretty much like that until he meets Jesus. And they start going on the journey together. And suddenly, every day is an adventure. Suddenly, every day is exciting. Suddenly, every day is, I wonder what he's going to do today. I wonder what he's going to say today. I wonder how he's going to deal with that challenge or what opposition we're going to face today and how he's going to rise above it. I wonder if there's going to be any miracles today. I wonder if there's going to be excess bread or maybe a bit of water into wine. I wonder what's going to happen. Every day is suddenly an adventure. It's not mundane. It's not monotonous because Jesus is part of it. And Jesus transforms the way he sees the world and suddenly every day has meaning and every day has hope. And I don't know if you cast your mind back to the first time you began your journey with Jesus. And it was all exciting, wasn't it? But like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. It was all so exciting. And we, we believed that we would go out and we would conquer the world. And then somewhere along the line, it just kind of, you know, went back to just life, just feeling a bit meh, you know. But the idea of Jesus in our lives was that he changed the way that we saw the world. We saw the world through the lens of Jesus, through the truth that he's always with us. And because of that, life is an adventure that we should be excited to be part of. We sing that song usually during Easter, the one that says, because he leaves, we can face tomorrow that Jesus makes tomorrow worth hoping for. And this is what he does for Peter. And Peter, as he reflects on that question, who do you say I am? He's reminded that this is what Jesus did for him in his journey. And not just that, not just changing the way that he saw himself, not just changing the way that he saw the world, but because of Jesus, Peter was no longer afraid of the dark, no longer afraid of the things that used to hold him captive, no longer afraid of the things that everyone is fearful about. Peter, when he was with Jesus, was confident. He was courageous. And he felt like he could take on anything. Whether there was a demon-possessed boy, whether there was people needing to hear the message, whether there was healing or deliverance, it's no surprise that he was the only one who was courageous enough to say, Lord, if you ask me to come out of this boat and walk on water, you better believe that I'm coming out of this boat and walking on water. He was confident he could face his fears 
because he had Jesus with him. Jesus changed the way that he felt about his fears and the challenges that existed in the world. That was the kind of savior that Jesus was. It wasn't that there were no longer challenges. It wasn't that there were no longer things that were fearful or to be anxious about. But with Jesus by his side, where there was a storm, whether it was a demon, whether it was the law of physics, there was nothing that he needed to be afraid of. Because, you know, John spoke about Jesus as the light of the world, and the kind of light that Jesus is is not, it's not the light that you just, you know, we put on on the Christmas tree that doesn't really do much, but it's pretty to look at. Jesus is not just a pretty light. He's a light that shines in spite of the darkness, a light that the darkness in the world cannot put out, a light that brings healing, a life light that brings deliverance. And because of that light, and because Jesus said to Peter, you too are light, he was no longer afraid. When Jesus was with him, the way that he faced his fears was different. The darkness of the world did not intimidate him. The darkness of the world did not overcome him. The darkness of the world did not draw him in because he had authority over it. That is what Jesus gave him. And Peter reflects on these truths. As he reflects back again on that question, who do you say I am? And he thinks with new eyes, about his journey with Jesus up to this point. And post-resurrection, he would find out even another new thing of what Jesus brings into his life. As they sat together and Jesus asked him the question, Peter, do you love me? After Jesus has died, after he's been resurrected, Peter learns a new truth again about this Jesus, that he doesn't give up on us, that he does not give up. You see, after Jesus had died, Peter went back to fishing, went back to what he knew. But even when Peter wanted to give up on his dreams, even when he wanted to give up on his calling, even when he wanted to give up on his identity, Jesus would not let him because Jesus wouldn't give up on him. And even when we want to give up, even when we want to throw in the tower, even when we think it is too much, there is still that voice, there is still that voice of hope saying, I am with you. We can do this together. And so I think that as Peter would have reflected on his journey with Jesus, and before he begins his own ministry, it would suddenly have dawned on him the realization that perhaps Jesus was not the savior that he thought he wanted. Perhaps he wasn't the guy who was going to come down with an army and get rid of the Roman Empire and get rid of the Pharisees as he had imagined. Perhaps Jesus was not the savior or Messiah that he, he thought he wanted all this time. But my goodness, 
He is the Savior that he so desperately needed. The one who helps him to believe in himself again. The one that gives every day of his life purpose and meaning. The one who allows him to face his fears, challenges, and insecurities with confidence because he's by his side. And the one who never throws in the tower as far as his life is concerned. This Peter must have thought. After all that, this is the Savior that I so desperately need. And the same is true for each of us in our journey. Perhaps God doesn't show up and furnish us with the most expensive cars and most expensive houses and, and flick your storm and coronavirus has disappeared tomorrow. But he's with us in whatever journey we're on. Even when we don't believe in ourselves, he believes in us. He inspires us to believe again, even when we doubt. He is the Savior who gives every day of our lives meaning and purpose and hope. Because of Jesus, there is always a chance. There is always hope. There is always love. There is always the possibility, even in the impossible situations. He's the Savior who gives us the courage to face whatever life throws our way. Whether that's the things we face in our individual journeys, whether that's a global pandemic, he's the Savior who says, because I'm with you, you do not need to be afraid. And he's the Savior who never gives up. He's the Savior who says, when push comes to shove, even if it will cost me my own life, if that is what you need, then I will give it to you. Even if it comes at a great cost to myself, if that is what it takes to save you, then I will do it. Because sometimes in the wilderness of questions and doubts, life tries to paint an alternative picture of who God is, an alternative picture of who Jesus is. But if we reflect on the truth of his word, on the truth of our journey with him, we will realize that this Jesus is enough. He is enough for today, for tomorrow, for what we know, for what we don't know, for what we are confident in and what we are afraid of. This Jesus, this Savior, this God is enough. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are enough. And Lord, I thank you because of your love that is so amazing. And I thank you because I know that for every person here in this space, 
that you know each one of them perfectly and you love each one of them perfectly. I thank you, Lord, because you know where the fear is and where the anxiety is. You know where the worry is. You know where the doubts lie. You know who's tired. You know who's confident. You know who's looking forward to tomorrow and who is dreading the rest of the day. You know us perfectly. You love us perfectly. Lord Jesus, I pray that in your own way that you will minister to every heart to let each person know that you are with them and that your grace is enough for whatever they are going through. You will not let us fall. You will not leave us to face the darkness alone. The psalmist declared, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are my God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord Jesus, you are a savior who makes the valley of the shadow of death look like green pastures and still waters because of your presence. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we continue on our journey with you, that, Lord, you will comfort every heart with the truth, with the realization that you are with us and you are all that we need. So let your spirit bring healing. Let your spirit bring deliverance. And let your love bring life. In Jesus' name, amen.